Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Nourish the Soul with Nicole. So, hope that everybody has enjoyed the past eight weeks of Hashtag Relatable, where we've taken a look at a series of veteran documents. So, I think as you all know, I'm not usually the kind of person that you'll be caught uh, reading such long uh, documents, and it's only through this series, actually, honestly, uh, that I've actually did any serious reading of these things. Um, but I think it's a really timely episode, and I'm just really excited uh, because this particular series, we have a bonus episode, so this is episode number nine, right, and we have a very esteemed individual over here with us on the podcast today, so it's Justin, okay, so I'll, I'll leave Justin and introduce himself a little bit uh, in a while, right, but I think maybe our opening question for today is, you know, Justin, so how do you feel and how would you like to weigh in also on the relevance of these Vatican documents today? Uh, hi, Nicole, uh, glad to be your bonus podcast episode. Um, I, I'm really up for anything. Um, maybe just by way of introduction, I'm, I'm Eastern Catholic. I'm uh, a lay person in the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church. Uh, I'm a secular academic and I have professional interests in Catholicism in Asia. Uh, and I used to blog on Pathy as Catholic. So I have some knowledge of Catholic discourse for better or for worse. So um, those are kind of uh, some things that I could possibly say, but I'm really excited to see where our conversation will take us. Yeah, thanks, I think, for like uh, really introducing yourself. I think number one, in a very exciting life, I think that Justin meets. Uh, I think the first time I think that I encountered him, I think was on a recent interfaith dialogue, I think on Fratelli Tutti, right, which is one of the documents that's actually featured in this series. Uh, as, as I was saying at the earlier part of the episode, did not really read much uh, into these um, documents because number one, they're pretty long. And, you know, sometimes for the average Catholic, they're like, nope, I'm just going to read the first few lines and then that's about it. And hopefully get some, like, you know, uh, good insights from there. But I think like through this series, I think uh, I kind of really realized that there's a lot of contemporary insights that we can take away uh, from a lot of these documents. They're actually very you know, uh, very sort of timeless issues, I guess. They really go across uh, time and space, like Gaudium et Spes, right? Like, you would you would read it and be like, this is 2021. <laughs> like, what is happening here? And then you read it and you're like, oh, yeah, this is written in like the 1960s. All right, all right, okay. And you realize that whatever he was saying at that point in time, the cultural shifts are still happening today. They're still in motion. And we're just like only now probably seeing like the actual effects right, of what he's writing about. Yeah, so I think that that for me was one of like my major takeaways, I think, from you know reading these documents. Huh? But, but how do you feel also about them as well, Justin? Um, so it's been a while. Uh, I, I, I did a lot of this kind of document reading around 2015 when I sort of began my initial flirtation with Catholicism. I was uh, Anglican uh, before that. Um, and... Uh, I remember printing out a bunch of Vatican documents in my Seattle apartment. Um, I was hanging out with the Dominicans in the oh, neighborhood, nice. going to Vespers and Matins with them. And they, they wanted to get me into fetus at ratio. And wow. I was like, um, uh, no, why? Maybe. So, uh, so I printed out a bunch of these things and uh, started reading them and found that they're, they're remarkably consistent documents uh, in terms of trying to theorize what is the church, right? especially after Vatican II. They, they, uh, 
yeah, they seem to be devoted to theorizing what is the church. And for me as a Protestant, that was a revelation because we don't, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> as a Protestant, we kind of think about a relationship with God as direct. And we think of, you know, if we're theorizing the church, that sounds awfully political. But these d- documents were very exciting because they, uh, there was some spirituality to these politics, right? It was as if it was telling, you know, me, I'm a pastor's kid, a Protestant past- pastor's kid, so I have issues. Uh, and I have issues, especially with this word church politics, because this word church politics usually means that my dad's out of a job. So, uh, <laughs> So to to read these documents and to be like, wow, these people are really doing a theology of church politics. That was very exciting for me. Um, that, so that's, um, I guess, my initial relationship with these documents. Oh, I, I like the, the fact that you mentioned, like, you printed them out in your Seattle apartment. I'm like, yes, that is totally the first way to encounter the Vatican documents, right? And then, like, find a couple of people, right, to discuss it with. Yeah, like, yeah. for me, I, yeah, I mean, generally, I think the way that I got exposed, I think, it was back in university. So, like, they were having a lot of talks um, in my chaplaincy, and I was like, not too sure what Latin stuff they're talking about over there. Uh, I need kind of know couple of Latin words here and then you know and things like that and I'm like what are they mentioning like you know that there's a there was something I think about like Laudato Si at that point in time they were having some talks you know in the chaplaincy and I think just you know probably it's the spirit that's uh, drawing me towards the talk and I was like okay I'm gonna check it out um, I came back you know I had no contact with Vatican documents until an old friend of mine said I challenge you to record a series on Vatican documents Nick and I'm like this is just, a ch- oh, it's just showing me a challenge, man. I've, I've got to take up this challenge and, and figure out, you know, uh, what's happening and to really engage people. I feel like, you know, these documents are talking points. You know, they're not like these static, you know, sort of things that we just read it and we're like, yeah, okay, I got it. You know, that's this is church funding. This is the church teaching. I've got it all down. And it's like not a static sort of document. It's a living document, just like the word itself is living, right? So I was like, okay, so I totally need to like, you know, delve deeper. I mean, I also know my own limitations. Like, you know, I don't have this like, you know, deep uh, background to be able to analyze every line and to quote, you know, which line from Laudato Si says what, you know, and what happening, what's happening in God in its face. But I feel like, you know, everyday Catholics need to know more. <laughs> and we need to know more, right, about our faith. Like, you know, we're walking around and saying, oh, I'm Catholic, you know, I'm, I'm and you're saying, I'm Eastern Catholic, and like, but actually, I don't really know uh, what's happening, you know, with like, the relationship between church and the environment, the church and family, uh, and the church and uh, femininity. So I was like, I think looking at Mulieris Dini Tatum, uh, I finally can pronounce it. Like when I was recording the episode, me and my, my uh, friend were like <laughs> butchering the pronunciation, but we were on the way <laughs> to right, getting right. it right. <laughs> yeah, right. Finally. Yeah, but I know for you, like Justin, do you have any particular like documents that, feel particularly resonant with you or like you found like a lot of like wow excitement into getting into yeah you know the first time I actually got into a Vatican document was when I was because uh so my uh my PhD fieldwork which is now turning into uh this book that I'm writing for University of Notre Dame Press uh, is on Cantonese speaking Protestants so Protestant Ooh. Christians and how they engage Pacific Rim civil societies and uh the, the thing about Protestantism in Hong Kong uh, when uh, something like the democracy movement is engaged 
mm. is um, is that they have partnerships with Catholicism. And so I tried to understand a little bit more about what Hong Kong Catholicism was. And I stumbled on this pastoral letter uh, by John Baptist Cardinal Wu, who was, you know, two or three uh, bishops before the current one. Um, it's called March into the Bright Decade. And what happens in this, uh, in this document is that he's trying to figure out how the church in Hong Kong can survive after the 1997 handover. Hmm because people will have different political views and he and Cardinal Wu felt that this would tear the church apart. And so he advocated for what he called basic ecclesial communities, not unlike liberation theology, right? Like these sort of base communities. Uh, and he advocated that these basic ecclesial communities studied the Bible together. And I, as I was reading, I was like, wait, the Vatican II document that he's really engaging here is Dei Verbum. Right, because the the it, it, he begins by saying like you know the word of God is uh, is a living document that you know if we kind of center our work our, our life around the word then it doesn't matter if we have different political views uh, we can still be you know one church family right and it's as if he was sort of channeling the energy of De Verbum without actually quoting it right yeah. Uh, by, by saying that, you know, the, the, the word of God, because what Dave Verbum basically says, is, you know, the, 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 the word should be accessible to people. The community life should be centered around the word and should be built around the word. And I was like, wow, that to me as a Protestant, especially right <laughs> to read this, um, uh, because I, I was like, Catholics, they read the Bible. Oh, my God. <laughs> right. So um, so I. Um, so, so that was kind of one of the starting points for me uh, in terms of taking Vatican documents very seriously because it, they started to engage my research. And then from there, I began to be like, well, actually in order to make sense of say Catholicism in Hong Kong, I need to have a more comprehensive understanding of uh, documents after Vatican II. So, you know, various, not only the pastoral constitutions and exhortations, but also the, uh, but also the various encyclicals from Paul VI onward. Yeah, I really like um, the, the point you brought about Verbum Day, like the living word. Yeah, because like, yeah. I think like a lot of like these documents, right, even though we might think it's just basically, you know, the Pope is just saying a couple of things <laughs> here and there, it's actually really steeped in scripture. If you read it, you know, properly, there's a lot of scriptural reference, there's a lot of basis to it. So it's not just like today I decided to talk about uh, the church and the family, and these are a couple of my thoughts, and I hope that you all vibe with it. Like, no, he's not <laughs> writing anything of that sort. And this is like a proper, you know, uh, document that's outlining, I think, for, for Catholics uh, and people who are also interested, I think, in reading it, right? Um, what is the church stance, I think, you know, on certain issues, you know, where do we stand on it? Sometimes it's even like pretty contentious. Right, especially I think with regards to like family, with regards to, for example, uh, our uh, idea of like, you know, what, what, how do you feel about abortion, you know, things like that. So, I mean, these are contentious issues in this day. And a lot of us are still figuring out where we kind of stand, right, you know, on, on this uh, continuum. Because, I mean, we also wrestle with issues of the faith, right? Because we're like, you know, why, why, do, why, do, why, does, uh, why do Catholics believe in a certain thing? You know, why do they believe, you know? Um, that this is right and that it's wrong, you know, it, it goes down to like very fundamental things, but it actually helps us to start to question 
our beliefs. I feel um, in the faith journey, it's important to have that, that period of questioning and like reckoning. You know? If not, like, you're just going to be like, yeah, I'm just going to accept everything you know, as it is. And like, I think the depth also of the relationship with God is not very uh, deep. You know? it's, like, it's very shallow. It's very superficial. Mm. But when you actually start to realize, hey, whoa, this is the true breadth and depth, and I can't even fathom what's happening. But like, you know, that's okay. That's uh, that's even a part of the spiritual life. It's like, yeah, I don't have a much of a hold on anything really. Um, but what I do have a hold on is like pretty secure. You know, like, you no, know, I I kind of know where the church stands on a lot of issues, and I feel more like confident. I think going forward, uh, as a Catholic, like living in today's society, you know, people are like. Yeah, I know why do you all you know do do these things or you know what are your stance on that and at least you feel okay right um now I have a clearer idea right and I can kind of like you know like low-key just drop a couple of sentences from you know <laughs> said Vatican document <laughs> and then it gives you a bit more credibility I think definitely when you're talking about these things um I think for younger people too right yeah like how do you feel also like you know the relevance like why would why would uh, an everyday, you know, just like, like, I think sometimes you even call it like a Sunday Catholic, the Catholic that only goes to mass on Sunday. Like, why would they even, why would you feel like they'll be even uh, want, need to kind of like read or like, you know, take a look at some of these documents? You know, when I was first starting out in my Vatican document journey, right, um, I, um, I met this Catholic theologian uh, it was just some random serendipitous encounter. I didn't know that he would be there. And all of a sudden we had this four hour coffee. And what he said to me was, you know, the thing to pay attention to in say a, an encyclical say by John Paul II is not just what the encyclical says about a certain topic or even what the encyclical itself is about. It's what is the relationship between the encyclicals? All right. So, for example, he's like, all right, if you're reading something like Divas et Misericordia, how about read it hand in hand with Laborum Exergens? And I'll never forget the way that he said this. Right. He, he just kind of rattled off these documents like that. And like, um, like so. So when, when he said that, I was like, wait, so why explore the relationship? He's like, go read it. And so I, what I went and read, you know, uh, Redemptor Ominous. Divas et Misericordia, Laborum Exergens, etc. And what I found was that the church was grappling with the new situation, the new things, as it were, um, that, you know, who was it, Leo XIII had laid out in Rerum Novarum, right? Uh, which is uh, that the church finds itself in this new situation mm. called modernity. And modernity has some things that the church hasn't really taken into account uh, <laughs> because there are, there are uh, problems of capitalist labor. Mm. There, are, uh, there are all encompassing work environments that uh, mean that if you don't have any work-life balance, you're not gonna have a family, right? Um, you're not gonna have time to develop yourself as a human being, right? You're not gonna have time for the arts and culture. Uh, let alone a time for <laughs> prayer and mass, oh, right? Yes. So, um, the so so what I found uh, that was relevant to my life was that the church was theorizing or doing theology in a secular age, and I think that's very relevant because the whole point of being a Sunday Catholic is that you you think of yourself as a secular person for the 
other six days of the week. What the church is trying to figure out is how is it relevant to the other six days of the week? So actually Sunday Catholics stand to get the most out of these Vatican documents because it's you, you can eavesdrop on the church thinking about the other six days. Yeah, I, I, I really like uh, what you were bringing out. I think about like the idea of like modernity and like the relevance of these Vatican documents and the fact that these like are not issues that have like in itself that have been resolved, you know, like people say, oh, we've resolved the issue of like capitalism or like, you know, like inequality, you know, whether on different spheres, whether it's gender, ETC, right, income inequality, but we haven't, right, but at least I feel like what, what you were saying, the Vatican documents provide like a direction, you know, they kind of provide a sort of like structure, right? Like, oh no, where is the church? Which is the direction that the church is moving in? And it's very dynamic, right? It's not like, oh, this mm-hmm. is um, hard and fast and it's fixed, you know, it's, it's fixed in stone or something. It is like continuously changing like and evolving. Like the fact that Leo, uh, the Pope Leo talks about modernity and then we have like last year's Pope Francis, the one that I think we attended the dialogue, Fratelli duty and I'm like this is so timely like I didn't I didn't even think of it actually you know I didn't even think of the, the name that he, he chose for himself I was like Francis okay understanding the Franciscan spirituality yes yes and then it's like wow you no know, in a time of division right and isolation even more of the message that needs to be heard right instead of like you know brotherhood and you know of, of kind of like looking out for the needs of others I think even in the context of like recent events you know what's happening in like in Afghanistan like wow yeah you know like if I mean I know yes they're in Afghanistan but they are also my brothers and sisters right so I'm trying my best you know to figure out a way to help them in a material way and I see people yeah. living it out you know like they're like oh yeah we've got to uh, get moving you know we've got to get some donations to Haga you know the 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 organization that helps women over there and I see in that that's like the active church you know it's not just saying we attended the dialogue and then <laughs> that's it you know like we know that these people are brothers and sisters but like you actually kind of like live it out it's an active living thing like the living word right so you say this is your this is your neighbor like Samaritan uh you know the Samaritan and all that stuff right the good Samaritan so like yeah this is our neighbor and we're not going to sit around and be like yeah you know I, I know they have, they're going through a painful time and, and there's anguish and things but like we're not deaf to that Right. So I, right. I, I think for me, that's like a very real sort of like lived out uh, experience, I think, of like what I take away like from documents. Like, so how about how about you do? No, I was really excited because I, I got to speak at that um, that event that you were talking about. And that really forced me to read Fratelli <laughs> Tutti closely uh, because, you know, I, I had I had read it when it came out. But, you know, as a junior academic, I. You know, I read some things faster than other things, right? So, um, so I, um, the the archdiocese here actually very kindly gifted me a physical copy of um, Fratelli Tutti, so you know Ooh. I could be seen at Funan Mall with my copy <laughs> of Fratelli Tutti, nice. underlining, circling, writing I at the that. margins. Like, who is this weird guy, <laughs> right? And what I was really excited about uh, what I read because. It, it, it wasn't the same document that I thought that I had read last year <laughs> very quickly, right? I felt that Pope Francis was theorizing a secular age. This is what I said in my, in my talk also to the interfaith thing. Pope Francis is theorizing a secular age, right? So I, earlier in this podcast, I said, you know, these Vatican documents theorize what is the church? What is, what was both brilliant and bizarre about Fratelli Tutti was that Pope Francis 
Sure, he mentions the church, right? But he's trying to understand this time that we're living called the secular and how people interact in a secular space outside the church. And he's trying to suggest as somebody within the church that maybe what needs to happen in secular space is that we should engage in what's called social friendships, right? And I was like, wait, that's really exciting, right? Because he's not saying, oh, we Christians should engage in social friendships. He's saying that in the secular space, it doesn't matter whether you're Christian, it doesn't matter what kind of Christian, it doesn't matter whether you're Muslim or Buddhist or Taoist, or whether you believe in nothing or anything or something or whatever, you need to be a good friend. <laughs> like fundamentally, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you're not a good friend, this society is going to fall apart, right? And so the, the flavor of the secular that Francis wants to bring out in Fratelli Tutti is a kind of friendly secularism, if you will, right? And that's different from a sort of vicious secularism, if you will. So uh, that, uh, that was something that really struck me, right? And it kind of made me rethink, like, how do I read these Vatican documents? That's why I was saying earlier that when I, when I think about a document like Divis et Misericordia or Laborum Exergens or even Rerum Novarum, I'm like, wow, these are, these are documents in which the church is theorizing modern secularity. And that's very exciting to me uh, as a, as, not only as a Catholic, not only as an Eastern Catholic, but as a person. Right, because there's actually this institution that is very problematic. <laughs> Let's just call it what it is. It's very problematic institution that wants to think about this real problem called the secular. Uh, and why is it a problem? Again, in Rerum Navarum, it's that uh, the secular presents real challenges in terms of work-life balance. It's not that it's not that the secular is just non-religious. It's that the secular actually has a way of telling, if you're not careful, telling me that everything that I have to do in my life is my work. Then when's my time to be a person, right? Um, so the church is actually actively trying to think about that while dealing with problems of its own. And I find that weirdly inspirational. Yeah. So think, that, yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a really uh, great point, I think, that you brought up in Justin about like um, the challenges of living in the secular society and how the church actually is not like you know people think oh in the church is like shying away from all these um, issues right but they're like going right deep into it you know I mean it comes with a lot of consideration you know a lot of like you know careful sort of like motion uh, in some senses but in other senses I feel like you know it's really kind of like getting to the heart of what really is important uh you know, in terms of the, the discussion that we're having nowadays, right? You know, the idea of uh, how to live uh, a sort of like, you know, you don't live like a double life, right? You know, like I'm sometimes Catholic, I'm sometimes secular, like, you know, that's called like having lots of personalities and trying to figure out where you are in the whole uh, scheme of things, right? But like, I think, I think for me, like my personal like philosophy is to live like a fully integrated life. Like, I mean, I don't know how fully integrated life looks like, um, but I think it definitely starts with <laughs> figuring out how to integrate, I think, your faith um, into, you know, the decisions that you make, the way that you kind of like um, manage different people, you know, the, the kind of person you are, like, basically, what kind of neighbor are you, like, you know, just put it very simply, 
the kind of a neighbor are you? You know, are you the kind of neighbor that shuts their door and in people's face or something? Or are you kind of the neighbor that like, hey, you know, I, w- I want to help, you know, how can I help? And we ask, you know, those kind of questions to seek like clarity, right? And then we really want to help because we have that genuine, you know, intention to do so. Yeah. And I think it's like, so many challenges um, that secularism presents, as you were saying, right? Especially the one about like, you know, how about me? You know, am I just a cog in the machine? You know, like, or is there another part of myself that I can uniquely call as this is me? You know, like, you know, like I'm not just a worker. I'm not just a, you know, this person that works in an organization. But hey, that actually I do. I am this like unique unrepeatable I know it sounds a bit like hashtag Instagram sort of thing but yeah you know that's kind of how I feel about it yeah but maybe before we end like Justin do you have any like concluding thoughts maybe about the documents sure sure so I mean one of the things that I should stress is that I'm Eastern Catholic so I have a very like complicated relationship with the Vatican we our church the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church uh likes to say that you know the the Vatican or the the Church of Rome is the church that presides in love over the other churches, right? But that also means that we have a degree of autonomy, right? Uh, and what makes us Catholic is also that our tradition, our, our, our tradition that comes out of the Church of Kiev uh, is equally Catholic, right? Because it, it, it's, not just, it's not just our particular tradition, but we like to think of it as also universal. And if the Church of Rome is also universal, uh, then that is the basis of our communion together. Uh, I say that because you know, I, um, you know, our church has encyclicals too. And we we also think with them. But the um, one of the great things about uh, the Vatican II documents, at least, is that there's a document in there on the Eastern churches that calls on us to truly be ourselves, right? Because there's a real temptation for those of us who are Eastern Catholic to uh, want to copycat the Romans. Right? If the Vatican does this, then we'll do it too. We've got to show our loyalty that we're truly Catholic, right? And we forget that where our Catholicity resides is actually in our particular tradition and its own universality. Um, and what the Vatican has encouraged us to do is to tap into our, local, our, our own tradition and to think about our own universality. Now, I think that's very helpful for understanding the Vatican documents. Because again, as you know, whether you're a Roman Catholic or an Eastern Catholic or somebody who is broadly secular, but just thinks that these documents are important. My view is that these documents are, are think pieces. They're, they're pieces to think with because it's the church theorizing modernity, right? And so part of the act of reading is to figure out okay, so what are my experiences, right? Because just as the Vatican tells my church that we should be fully ourselves, meaning to attend to our local situation, to attend to the tradition that was passed on through to us and through us, uh, as a person, you know, given my secular circumstances, I need to be attentive to what are my circumstances uh, at the time when I'm not... um, what I'm not gathered together per se in a liturgical context, right? What, what do, to put it bluntly, what, do, what does the liturgy look like in, in my office, right? Uh, what, what, how are the things that I profess to practice and believe actually worked out uh, in a secular space? The, I think that that's where the Vatican documents are very helpful. 
because it, at least it provides one model for me to think with, right? Um, again, as an Eastern Catholic, I have a vexed relationship with the Vatican because they think that they're in charge of me and I go, well, we'll see about that. Um, but the, um, but, uh, but that being said, I think that the, that the encyclicals and the exhortations that they produce are, are marvelous documents because at least I can see, at least in the Latin tradition, how is it done, right? And then I can begin the process of translation. 